Hello, I'm John Rossi, a touring drummer with a love of all things animal. When I'm on the road, I visit as many zoos, aquariums. Hey, wait a minute. What's going on? Hey, what's going on there? Hello? Hello? We interrupt your regularly scheduled program to bring you Rossafari Zoo News. News you can use from the world of zoos and conservation. Every week, we bring you breaking news and analysis from around the globe, featuring the animals you love and the people who care for them. And here's your anchorman, John Rossi. Hello, 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 and welcome back to Rossafari Zoo News, your look at everything going on in the world of zoos, aquariums, conservation, and general animal weirdness. Y'all, it has been a journey the last couple of weeks. So I'm, I'm sure that most of you have been following along. But uh, I, I went out on tour with my show Under the Sun and then headed right to the AZA conference, then right to the AAZV conference. Those are the last two Tuesday episodes that you heard. And uh, then I took a trip home that involved hitting up some other facilities and uh, getting some extra content for y'all there. And uh, yeah, I, I'm finally almost back home. This episode is dropping on Friday, September 29th, and uh, I will have just gotten home the, the morning this episode drops after spending two days with my son, Miles, which is, is a home of a different type. So uh, pretty exciting, but I have been gone for over a month. And those of you that follow the podcast, you know that I'm a touring musician. I spend a lot of time on the road. But this was the first time that I've been, for lack of a better word, touring with the podcast. I've done some small trips and I've even managed to, uh, you know, get in a lot of visits at places while on tour drumming. But uh, this was a solid three of these four weeks were just being on the road with the podcast. It was a really unique experience. I had a ton of fun and um, I'm excited for all the cool content to share with y'all. But uh, I'm not going to lie. I am ready to be home. I'm ready to see my dogs. I am ready to crawl into the bed that is my bed. Yeah, that's kind of the hardest part about traveling. Kind of get a different bed every night and you're like, huh, I wonder if this one will be okay. And then your back tells you the next morning. But uh, yeah, what can I say though? It has been incredible. I've been to a ton of amazing facilities and we've got a lot of awesome content coming your way. Now, I noticed that my last two um, non-Zoo News episodes, my conference recaps, got a lot of new listeners. And I don't know if, if uh, those people were just there to learn about the conferences or get their own recap or if they stuck around. But uh, just in case, hey, y'all, welcome. Welcome new people. Welcome old people. Welcome everybody. Um, but yeah, this is a Zoo News thing. So what we do is people send me different Zoo News stories and uh, tag me in them on socials and all of those things. And then I report out a, a little episode of Zoo News. So that is what you're now listening to. And if you want to contribute, you can do so by tagging me in things at Rossafari on the socials, at Rossafari Pod on TikTok, or emailing them to me, rossafaripod at gmail.com. Uh, and then I'll say your name at the end of the episode, whether I use your story or not. So like pretty good deal for you, right? Uh, yeah, so that that's what we're doing here. And welcome to everyone and uh, enough talking, John. Let's get to it. All 
All right. So we always start off with our births and deaths, and uh, we always start off whenever we have a new red panda to talk about. So uh, congratulations to the Attica Zoo, uh, which has announced the birth of a single baby red panda, or as we call them, red pandlets. Uh, And yeah, nothing much to report here, just a a baby panda that is doing well, but it's always exciting to see another one added to the population. So congrats to the Attica Zoo. Disney's Animal Kingdom has announced the birth of an Addicts calf, also known as an Adlet. Uh, and this is a really cool type of hoofstock if you don't know what an Addicts is. Uh, this calf was born prematurely, but is actually doing really well and can already be seen on exhibit. So if you happen to be hanging out at Disney's Animal Kingdom, go and check this adorable little baby out. All right, I like this next story a month. So uh, there is a a Sumatran orangutan who made zoo news a few months ago uh, when her care team at the Denver Zoo came up with a unique plan to help her handle her morning sickness. Her name is Irina, and uh, the, the little bundle of joy that was giving her that morning sickness has now officially been born. She is a gorgeous baby girl, and she is named Siska. So Siska, the Sumatran orangutan, has joined the Denver Zoo family. And uh, it's just cool to see, you know, that story kind of get to its natural happy end. Or, or beginning, I guess, since it's, you know, a birth. Um, the Chester Zoo in the UK has announced the birth of a new mandrel. And again, I know I keep saying new or baby after the word birth, but I uh, probably don't need to. But it's weird not to when you're talking, I guess. But yes, so there is a mandrel baby that has been born at the Chester Zoo. And this new mandlet is absolutely adorable. If you haven't seen pictures of a baby mandrel yet, I highly recommend that you Google them. Um, Primate babies always look so interesting to me. Sometimes weird is the word. Sometimes ugly is even the word. I mean, even a lot of human babies, not, not Miles, of course. My son was beautiful from the start cough, cough, but, uh, yeah, no, but I think that, that mandrel babies are just really unique looking and really cute. I'm, I'm actually a big fan. So, uh, I highly recommend that you Google, uh, mandrel baby and, and check them out. Um, but don't, don't, don't Google mandlet because that's not actually what they're called anywhere in the world, except on the Raw Safari podcast. We'll get there, y'all. We will get there. And then last but not least for births, The Toledo Zoo has announced the birth of twin Amor tigers. Now, the parents are named Tabla and Titan. I obviously love the name Tabla because they are Indian drums. And uh, we all know I like having animals named after drums like my two dogs, Paradiddle and Flam. Um, And these are actually the same parents that had twins at the Toledo Zoo back in 2021. So um, a name and gender reveal are scheduled for next week on the Toledo Zoo's social media pages. And I believe that the name reveal will include a naming contest. So go to at Toledo Zoo to uh, try to help out with the names of these tigers. Of course, uh, you know, 
if we have births, we have to have deaths. And unfortunately, we do have uh, a couple to announce this week. Um, first of all, uh, a harbor seal at the Jenkinson Aquarium has passed away. She was 34 years old and lived over a decade longer than the life expectancy of harbor seals, which illustrates just how well cared for she was. Um, and and it, it's sad to see her go. And I haven't said her name because actually her name might be my favorite thing about her. Her name, again, harbor seal, was Lucille. And it was spelled L-U-S-E-A-L. Uh, I love that so much. If any of you have seen Arrested Development, there are a lot of seal jokes that happen in that show. I'm not going to give anything away if you haven't. I don't know if it's really necessary to do spoiler alerts for a show that's like over a decade old, but you should watch Arrested Development and you will understand even more than just the pun why I love the name Lucille so much. So it is sad to see Lucille go. And then uh, the other story that we have for the deaths section this week is out of the Utica Zoo, and it, it's actually really sad. Uh, they had two cotton top tamarins pass away, both at the age of 17 and within just a few weeks of each other. The two boys are brothers, and um, early necropsy findings found a, uh, a hereditary tumor. And that is incredibly rare that they both had. And uh, it is not contagious other than, you know, through hereditary uh, ways. And so there's no concern for any of the other tamarins at the zoo. But unfortunately, uh, there was just no way to know this would happen. And so they lost two cotton top tamarins at the age of 17, sending uh, love to everyone at the Utica Zoo. All right, and so that brings us to our zoo news outside of the births and deaths, and uh, we're going to start with my favorite story of the week. This is just really cool, y'all. So the Toronto Zoo is the first zoo to participate in a program with parks, which is... uh Sounds like parks, but it is spelled P-A, then capital R-X, like a prescription, which is a natural prescription plan that is being uh, piloted right now in Canada. This is a program that allows physicians to prescribe time outside for their patients' health, helping to connect patients to nature. Patients with this prescription get 50% off the admission price to the zoo and get to go and hang out with animals like on doctor's orders, right? So it has long been shown that a connection to nature and being outside and getting away can help with a lot of stress-related, uh, you know, injuries, diseases, whatever word you want to say here. Uh, again, I'm a drummer. Um, but yeah, it has been shown that that is the truth. And so now doctors can actually prescribe this in Canada. And it's not just the Toronto Zoo that they can recommend. They can send you to national parks and stuff like that. But for people that are near the Toronto Zoo, which not only is amazing, but is also situated in a much larger park where you can go and do other non-zooey park things, I guess, if that's your thing. I can't imagine why it is. Um, yeah, you can just go and you get this awesome discount. And in some cases, uh, insurance and stuff might cover it because it's a prescription. So um, this is just really cool. And I hope that other Canadian zoos get involved. And 
I, I, you know, I'm a big believer in like true traditional medicine. I am not one of these people who, you know, thinks that you can pray away cancer or whatever. But I do think that getting outside is wildly helpful for healing your body, mind, soul, whatever you want to say. And uh, to codify that is just really cool. So yay, the Toronto Zoo. Yay, Canada. Yay, all those things. And yay, this next story. So we've been talking about Lee, the Pacific white-sided dolphin that had lived with Toki at Miami Seaquarium and was now swimming in that decrepit tank alone. Well, that is no longer the case. Miami Seaquarium has officially announced that their last Pacific white-sided dolphin that had lived with Toki is now living at SeaWorld in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, he's been united with other members of his species, including some of his family. So he is at a facility that is AZA accredited that will give him world class care and I just I could not be more excited that this whole story is finally over of course now that I've said that I'm sure that more drama will come up and I'll probably have to report on it again next week but um at least for the animals involved this long national nightmare is now over um and speaking of facilities that I'm not super happy with right now. Uh, I mentioned last week that the sea life in Trumbull, Connecticut closed very quickly and kind of unexpectedly. Well, uh, more, more has come out and, uh, the closure occurred after two more USDA inspections took place. And, uh, I'm assuming they didn't go particularly well. So now the facility is gone. Uh, most of the animals and merch have moved on to other sea life facilities, uh, which I hope are being run better than the one in Connecticut. Uh, but I, again, I'm just not sad to see this particular one close. The National Zoo has started preparations for saying goodbye to their giant pandas, which uh, originated with their announcement of Panda Palooza, a celebration of their pandas and what they're calling a giant farewell, because, yeah, giant pandas. Ah, uh, they have uh, recently started sharing memory videos of their pandas, and um, I can't watch them yet. I I get emotional thinking about the fact that there are not going to be giant pandas at the National Zoo anymore. I mean, that's astonishing to me. Um, but yeah, they've also been sharing memories that guests sent in, and uh, yeah, all of this is just very emotional. So I am. So sad to see that this is happening, and uh, I, I definitely need to get back to the National Zoo and see the pandas at least one more time. And as you're thinking about the fact that um, we're about to be panda-free in this country, except for Atlanta, and uh, it is largely believed that they will not get to keep theirs um, even to the end of 2024, um, also keep in mind the keepers. You know, I actually know a lot of the panda team at the National Zoo. There are some incredible people working with those pandas. Um, and I just I just can't imagine what it's like realizing that you're going to be saying goodbye to your friends of, of many, many years. So uh, don't forget about the keepers when you're when you're thinking about all the other reasons that, that this is sad. 
The Calgary Zoo has announced another incredible donation to their polar bear program. The Taylor Family Foundation has made a donation of $3 million. And actually, that was added to the $8.5 million they had already donated to help develop a two-acre polar bear habitat. Now, because of the whole, you know, donating $11.5 million to the cause, the new habitat will be named the Taylor Family Foundation Polar Bear Sanctuary. And it is going to be a legendary polar bear exhibit. There are going to be huge trees and natural grasses and all kinds of cool, wonderful, natural things that the polar bears that go there and live there will be able to enjoy. I am so excited to check this exhibit out when it opens and, you know, when I manage to get to Calgary, which really doesn't happen every day. But it is where the AZA conference is next year. I don't actually know if the exhibit will be open by then, but um, I can't wait to see whatever stage it's in when I get out there for the conference. And speaking of major additions, the Fort Wayne Children's Zoo has announced their next major addition. Uh, remember, they just opened up their new Asia section with red pandas and stuff. And now they're going to be um, making huge changes to their coastal cove region, bringing in a seal and sea lion habitat. So uh, the Fort Wayne Children's Zoo really seems to be growing and growing effectively. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to see those changes. Uh, it's always been known as a really good zoo, and um, yeah, pretty, pretty exciting. So you get red pandas one year and pinnipeds the next. Hard to argue with that. Now, last week, I told you all that Cheyenne Mountain Zoo had sent their Matchy's tree kangaroo to Denver for breeding purposes. And one of the things that I wondered, and I, I didn't talk about this on the podcast because I didn't know the answer at that point in time, but I was wondering if Cheyenne Mountain Zoo was no longer going to have tree kangaroos. It's an important thing to consider because of the new rules of SSPs. I've, I've talked about this on a previous Zoo News, but without going into too much detail, basically... There is now a certain number of facilities that needs to have these animals for them to stay an SSP and don't don't get you know confused there will still be proper breeding done with animals that don't have an SSP a lot of them will just be folded into the safe programs that exist uh, saving animals from extinction it's a whole thing but in order to maintain SSP status you need to be in a number of facilities and uh, in this case we now know the answer. Cheyenne Mountain Zoo did send their tree root to Denver, but they have gotten Soam, spelled S-O-M, but it rhymes with Rome. Uh, Soam is one of the tree kangaroos that had been living at the San Diego Zoo Safari Park. So now Soam is off at Cheyenne Mountain Zoo being an adorable tree kangaroo there. And uh, that's, that means that the SSP won't take a hit. So yay that. And Soam is awesome and adorable. And I'm sure will be an amazing ambassador for her species at Cheyenne Mountain Zoo. All right. So uh, a follow-up on another story that we've been talking about a lot on Zoo News. Um, there is a North American river otter that the Maryland Zoo saved and took in and was taken care of in their uh, animal hospital. And they have announced that she is doing well. 
and can now be seen on exhibit in the zoo's main river otter habitat. So this is a fully rehabilitated river otter that is now just going to live her best life at the zoo. I love this. They have uh, given her a name, which is Nora. And uh, it's really funny because three different team members independently suggested that that name would fit her perfectly. And it's also an anagram for Naro, N-A-R-O. And if you don't know, Naro or N-A-R-O is what a lot of people in the industry refer to North American river otters as because you can't just say river otters because there are other ones and, uh, you know, like giant river otters and stuff. And North American river otter takes too long to say when you have to keep saying North American river otter. It just gets really boring and repetitive saying North American river otter. Oh, sorry. Anyway, yes. So this is really, really great news out of the Maryland Zoo. And uh, I really can't wait to go and, and see this little beauty on exhibit. The South Carolina Aquarium has announced that King Tides are happening in Charleston this week. And because of that, they are asking citizen scientists to help them learn more about the flooding that will occur because of these King Tides. They have set up five signs with QR codes throughout uh, the Charleston area, and they are asking citizen scientists to scan the QR code and then send pictures and data to help them learn more about the phenomenon of king tides and the flooding that occurs. I think this is a really innovative way to get citizens involved in science. Uh, mad props to South Carolina Aquarium, and I hope that everyone there stays safe and that they get the data that they want. And that brings us to... Conservation news. All right. So um, something that I've been kind of tracking a lot on here in the conservation news section is that more birds are showing up in super weird places all around the world. Uh, we have two different stories about that this week. First of all, a record-breaking number of North American songbirds have appeared in the UK this week. Now, it is believed that we understand why this is, which is not often the case with these birds, uh, but Hurricane Lee ripped through the Atlantic, and um, it's believed that a lot of birds were blown off course and ended up in the UK, uh, which is crazy to think about, but um, I don't know. That's what scientists are, are believing happened. But yeah, lots of North American songbirds in the UK right now. And then our friend and former guest, Sam Evans of the Honolulu Zoo, recently saw a northern harrier hawk in Hawaii. Now, this is a bird that is usually found on the mainland in North America, as well as in Europe, Africa, and Asia. Basically, Hawaii is the only place that this bird is not normally found, uh, but somehow this little goober got there. Uh, I contend that he was on vacation, and he had saved up a lot of money to, to make this happen, and was finally visiting Hawaii, possibly because he is a huge fan of the Jurassic Park movies, uh, which which did a lot of filming down in Hawaii. I can't say this with any level of certainty, but that is my theory, and I am sticking with it. And uh, by the way, my theory goes a little further, and um, I firmly believe that this bird is named Edgar. 
Edgar the Harrier Hawk, the Northern Harrier Hawk, that uh, is currently hanging out in Hawaii because he loves Jurassic Park. And in case you're wondering, I'm not just making this up now. This is what I actually told Sam when she was searching for information about it. So if you're wondering what it's like to be friends with me, I'm sorry, but it's it's like that. Apologies to literally all of my friends and especially to Sam. The Colorado State Legislature has proposed a mountain lion hunting ban. And while the ban is mostly focused on mountain lions, uh, it would also cover bobcats and Canada lynx, which are actually already federally protected and so shouldn't be being hunted. But uh, there you have it. Uh, it's, it's definitely interesting to see the reactions. I looked up this story and was doing some follow-up, and a whole lot of hunting websites have taken up the story, and they are real unhappy about it. It turns out that trophy hunters really like trophy hunting. Uh, meanwhile, conservation websites are thrilled. So this is, this is going to be another one of those real fun um, hunting versus conservationist battles that we see creep up a lot. Although, uh, we've talked about this before, but there are actually also a lot of examples of hunters being great conservationists in their own ways. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this one. Now, this next story could have gone in a couple different places, but I'm going to throw it into conservation news because the more we understand about an animal, the better we can help conserve that animal, right? So, New evidence shows that Central American river turtles swim together in, like, a, a herd, a, a turtle herd, a herd of turtles, a, a hurdle, turtle, a turtle, a, a hurdle, turtle, uh, oh, that's just, that, those are already words. Anyway, I'm enjoying this way too much, um, but turtle just sounds like, well, turtle. Ah, well. Anyway, the uh, the movement that was tracked was actually very similar to how a pod of whales moves, which is kind of amazing. Um, turtles are generally considered to be solitary animals, but this belief is being challenged by not just this study, but other studies which have presented evidence that turtles of different species might actually seek out companionship outside of breeding. So um, definitely something to, to keep an eye on. And as I mentioned in my AAZV recap episode, we don't always understand what we're seeing and we can't apply what we're seeing from one species to another. So, you know, just because Central American river turtles swim together in a hurdle in a in a anyway um it doesn't mean that um this would be true of say red-eared sliders or whatever but it, it has always kind of confused me that we think of these animals as solitary animals and then you go and you see a log and there are six of them sitting together sometimes with like two on top of four of the others or whatever and it, it's more like a cuddle puddle than you normally get from solitary animals um so yeah i'll be curious to see as this research continues to go on uh, what we learn about the the social structure of turtle society. Gosh, I'm a nerd. All right. So um, oftentimes conservation news gets a little, a little sad, but we actually have some really great news uh, this week. So I already like the stuff I've talked about. But on top of that, Africa's white rhino population has rebounded for the first time in a decade, rising 5.6% to a population of 16,803. 
And while that is a relatively small number, uh, it's it's not terrible, and they are listed as near-threatened at this point. As a person who is a fan of species like red pandas and Machi's tree kangaroos, where there might be 2,500 left in the world, I see 16,000, and I'm like, woo, that's a huge number. And a lot of you who are into rare species might be thinking that as well. But I want to point out that we do know poaching is a problem, so it is important that we save the species now when they are near-threatened rather than wait until they are wildly endangered and then step in and say, hey guys, we got this, we got this. So yeah, but it is awesome to see a 5.6% increase in the population. And that's not the only population growth that we're here to talk about today, because the snow leopard population in Bhutan has grown by 39.5% recently, 39.5%. That is incredible. It's made extra incredible by the fact that there has been a lot of population growth and a lot of development in Bhutan. Um, so the, the threats to the species are actually increasing significantly in the area, but conservation efforts being so focused and, and going so well have actually led to population growth at a time of threats increasing. That is astonishing. Yay, snow leopards. Yay rhinos too, but yay, yay snow leopards. And then last but not least in uh, conservation news this week, I blanked on what I was in, sorry. <laughs> I'm a pro-professional, y'all. Anyway, um, NOAA Fisheries has announced that the Department of Commerce will be investing $82 million over the next three years to monitor and model North Atlantic right whales. There are less than 350 of the species left, including only 70 reproductively active females. The money will go to a variety of programs, including developing on-demand fishing gear that is whale-friendly, an increase in enforcement efforts, and ways to reduce the risk of ship strikes. So hopefully all of this comes together and uh, helps out. Uh, and uh, as a side note, I don't know if any of you saw um, a former president who wants to be president again mentioning that boat strikes don't kill whales, that there's only one recorded instance of a boat strike killing a whale in recent memory in a, a recent speech that he gave. Um, but look, I don't care what you think about the dude, but that's just a blatant lie. Like, there's no way to interpret it that way. I don't know where he got that data from. Uh, probably his butt. But uh, OK, that wasn't professional. Um, but anyway, that's, that's still where I'm thinking he pulled it from. But yeah, um, it turns out that that was just a blatant lie. We have a lot of evidence that boat strikes kill a lot of whales. And uh, yeah, if, if you saw that, um, don't believe it. And if you didn't see it. Don't seek it out. It's just yeah, gross. Anyway, uh, and that brings us to. It's time for other news. It's time for other news. Hey, no, right now, right now it's time. It's time for other news. Hey, it's a segue to the podcast. 
All right. So a lemur that was privately owned in Missouri recently escaped, and there are now videos online showing police trying to chase it down. Uh, gosh, I feel bad for those officers, um, but I feel worse for the lemur. Uh, don't be a, a weird exotic pet owner. Bad, bad exotic pet owners. Boo. This next one's kind of fun. A vet clinic in Brazil was confused by a patient that showed up after being struck by a car. It was it was a dog, but it was a, like an odd-looking dog. So it turns out that after genetic testing, uh, it was actually the first ever dog-fox hybrid to be discovered. Now, the name of this individual animal is Dogzim. Uh, with an X in the middle there. And Dogzim is a cross between a pompous fox and a stray dog. She barks like a dog and moves like a fox. She has a cute little fox head with big pointy dog ears. It's adorable. And I am uh, extra entertained by this because there was a year when Zoe and I fostered a working dog, she's now a police dog, a Malinois named Anna. And we would go out to the field behind our house and we would play fetch a lot. If you don't know about working Malinois, uh, you have to basically kill yourself moving around enough to to keep them, you know, active and happy. And this was after her going to school for a full day. And um, yeah, uh, they just they are energy, period. Um, yeah. And so Anna was amazing. And we would go and play fetch sometimes for hours. And there was actually a fox that would hang out in the bushes of the park and seemed absolutely enamored by her. Sometimes this fox would literally like come out and try to get close to her when we threw the ball far enough that, that it was far away from us. At one point, the fox even stole her ball, uh, which I think he was trying to entice her over. So it, it, it turns out that apparently we might have had the first ever uh, dog-fox hybrid if we had played that a little differently. But um, definitely cool to see and definitely uh, something that I found interesting given our experience with a fox that was anthropomorphism alert here, but uh, definitely at least attracted to, if not flat out in love with our good friend Anna. And speaking of dogs, a stray dog in Maharashtra, India, recently fell into a river right near three marsh crocodiles. Now, marsh crocodiles are a species that can average around 18 feet in length. And uh, rather than enjoy a midday hot dog, Ew. The three crocs teamed up to collectively push the dog back to safety. Scientists are baffled by this behavior, but uh, I encourage those scientists to look at any adorable dog face. And uh, I think they'll figure it out, especially if those scientists happen to be a horny fox. Just saying. Oh, animal, animal. All right, y'all. And so that brings us to our animal holidays for the week. Now, September is wrapping up, uh, which is Save the Tiger Month and Save the Koala Month. Uh, and so, yeah, we'll be moving on from that. Uh, but first, we have one more animal day, which is the 29th, which is both Goose Day and Save the Koala Day. They get their own day right in the middle of their own month. I'm just saying koalas have it pretty good right now. You know, except for the whole almost being wiped out by brush fires thing. 
But like on the calendar, they're having a good month. Anyway, and that brings us to October, which is Bat Appreciation Month, Croctober, Tamara Month, Squirrel Awareness Month, and Adopt a Shelter Dog Month. And you may be wondering, what the hell is a Tamara? Well, it turns out that it is a dwarf buffalo, which is a small hooved animal, and uh, it lives on one island in the Philippines. It is the only endemic Philippine bovine, and um, I don't know how this weird little animal got its own month, but it's really cute and has a really dark black face and a kind of brown and black body, so uh, now you know. I also want to let you know that a big part of Squirrel Awareness Month for Zoe and I is that any time that we are on a walk or just anywhere where we see squirrels, we make it a point to tell them that we are aware of them. We want the squirrels to know that their month is working. So I highly encourage all of you to just look at a squirrel when you see one during October and say, hi, squirrel. I'm aware of you, just just so they know it's working. I, I'm not kidding when I say that we do this. And again, this is insight into what it is like to be my friend or to, in this case, you know, be my partner. And I would like to apologize to, again, just everybody who has ever had any of those titles. Anyway, moving on to our uh, individual days for October. Uh, the first is International Raccoon Appreciation Day. The second is World Habitat Day. The third is Butterfly and Hummingbird Day. And the fourth is both World Animal Day and International Zookeeper Day. And I'm not sure why my voice cracked on the fourth, but uh, maybe I'm entering second puberty. So good stuff all around. And those are your animal holidays for the week. All right, so there you have it, folks. Another week of Rasafari Zoo News is done. I would like to say thank you to my Red Panda-level patrons, Dr. Laura Shank and Dr. Stephen Williamson, and also thank you to all of my patrons. If you'd like to support the pod, you can do so for as little as $3 a month by going to patreon.com slash Rasafari, or you can send a one-time donation on Venmo to at Rasafari. All of those things are appreciated. If you don't want to support financially, you can also just do me a huge favor by going and leaving me a rating, preferably five stars, but you do you, um, and especially a review anywhere that you listen. Uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify are the ones that uh, help the most, but literally anywhere that you listen where you can leave a rating uh, or a review, go ahead and do that. It really, really does help us out a lot. Um, and also, as as one other friendly reminder, uh, we're now on YouTube. So you can just search Rasafari on YouTube and um, you can listen to the episodes on YouTube, which is exciting, I guess. Uh, so yeah, now, now you know. Uh, I'd like to say thank you to everyone who contributed to this week's episode stories. Uh, those names are Anya Keen, Colleen Lenahan, Kim Cooley, Carrie Kirkpatrick, Kevin Williams, Jesse Nicole, Sam Evans, Emily Rockbuck, Crystal Chapman, Elizabeth Charles, Jay Meredith, Dr. Laura Shank, Ren Howell, Lynn Vesley, Ali Malensky, and Kay Malensky. And I, I mentioned them last week, and I was like, ooh, I wonder if they are related given the last name. Turns out they are. Turns out they are sisters. And uh, even more amusingly than that fact, which I guess actually isn't really amusing. I I'm easily amused, whatever. But um, this week... 
they sent me a story, different stories, but less than three minutes apart from each other. I'm just saying that sometimes, man, like you can really tell when people are related. So I'm pretty excited to have the Malensky family as part of the uh, contributing team to Rasafari Zoo News. And um, I'll probably keep talking about them because apparently their whole family listens and get a kick out of the fact that I talk about them and make them podcast famous. So yay, Malensky is woo. Anyway, uh, don't forget to come back on Tuesday after our couple of recap episodes. Uh, we're finally going to get back to an actual Rasafari episode. And this one is going to be super animal heavy because I know y'all love the animal stuff. So uh, looking forward to y'all being back on Tuesday. And until then, remember, friends, the words Newsy Credits Backwards our Steiderk Yeswen. The Rossafari Podcast is produced, hosted, and engineered by John Rossi. Editing and fact-checking by John and Dr. Zoe Rossi. Our theme song is Sevens by Nathan Burke, performed by Nathan and John. Interrupting John theme and additional voices by Taylor Isaac Gray. You can reach John directly on Instagram and Facebook at Rossafari or by email at rossafaripod at gmail.com. Rossafari is part of the Daydreamer Media Network. Now, stop listening to me and go visit a zoo. I didn't make any major mistakes recording this week. I didn't say anything dumb, so you guys don't get a post-credit scene. Oh, except for this. I guess I just gave you a post-credit scene. You're welcome.